invite you to take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 10. Uh, or if you have message notes, the, the ushers will be passing out the message notes right now. And uh, we want to read John chapter 12 and verse number 1. And it says, Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus, which had been dead, he raised him from the dead. They brought him to a supper, and uh, Martha served. And Lazarus was with them and sat at a table. They're bringing up a table right now because I want want to illustrate uh, the fact that Jesus sat at a table uh, with Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. And... Uh, after they're sitting at the table, Mary uh, then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, uh, he asked, why was, this, why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? And he said, not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag. We bear him. And then Jesus said, let her alone. Here you have a moment of generosity, a, a, t- a table that they were sharing. And someone wanted just to, to, to share her gratitude. Not everyone was happy about that, but Jesus certainly was. Let's pray and then we'll dive into our Bible study this morning. Lord, I thank you so much for uh, your word. Thank you for this story. Uh, Lord, how it challenges us. Uh, Lord, I pray that we would recognize your grace in this story. Uh, Lord, in responding gratitude, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, in the first century context, uh, Jesus used a lot of meals uh, to connect with people. And I, I don't know if I like that because I like to eat or if it's just the fact that I like uh, the fact that Jesus was connecting with people. In fact, many times the people he was eating with were not the religious people. He did have dinners with religious people, but he had, he had dinners with people who, who were far from God, people who he wanted to bring back to God. In fact, that's what Jesus was sent here to this earth to do. He was sent here to connect man back with God. You see, in the Garden of Eden, uh, God uh, was really giving man an opportunity, an opportunity to live inside the relationship that God had created man to do. By the way, that's why we were created, is to have a relationship with our creator. And so he created man and woman, Adam and Eve. He created them to have fellowship with him. Adam and Eve chose to step outside that relationship and define good and evil on their own terms. And so since the Garden of Eden, God has been bringing forth what we would call a redemptive plan in order to reconnect man back with God. That's why Jesus is there. And so Jesus is here in John chapter 12, and the whole reason everyone else is there is because Jesus is sitting at the table. So I think we have a chair with Jesus's name on it. And, and I want to illustrate the fact that none of us are here at New Life uh, on our own. We're here because Jesus has brought us here. And so I think they might be in order uh, from left to right. Go ahead and bring it on up here. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, this is uh, one of our, uh, hey, thank you. Man, that, that's, that's awesome. And so 
we have help today. So here you have Jesus. Thank you, Eddie. Uh, here you have Jesus sitting at a table, and it is a table that was meant for him. Simon the leper uh, owned the house, owned the table, and everyone was there because Jesus was there. By the way, we are here because Jesus came and died and rose again. Listen, new life would not be a thing without Jesus. Jesus started the church. Jesus continues the church. And so all of us have an invitation to the table because of Jesus. By the way, can I tell you that religion can't get you to God? Only Jesus can. Jesus is the only way for you to get in relationship with God. Religion will say that you have to do, and they'll, they'll say, well, hopefully at the end of your life, your good will outweigh your bad. But I want to tell you, there's no good that you could ever do that would ever get you in good standing with God. Jesus came to be the, the only bridge from your sin to your salvation. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And so we recognize that. And we understand that Jesus is the only reason. He's the only reason we can sit at the table of grace. And the common bond we have here at New Life is the gift of new life, is the fact that Jesus has given us a reason to celebrate. He's given us forgiveness. And by the way, he has offered that for you. And we had uh, a couple in the first service who, who had had never had a moment where they had trusted Jesus and they did that. And we've, we, we've introduced a lot of people to the table of grace. And we understand that this was a literal table. Uh, this was a table in Bethany. In fact, Bethany is right near Jerusalem. Uh, it is, uh, where, uh, the, 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 on the way, this is the Jer Jericho road coming up from Jericho. But Bethany, there's another road and that's where the triumphant entry uh, took place. We'll be celebrating that in a few weeks on Palm Sunday. And Jesus came in and they said, Hosanna in the highest. And they, they took palm branches. But before that, he was eating in this house in Bethany. Now, next week, we're going to see how they had to make room for him and, and, and how, man, everyone heard he was there and they couldn't wait to get there. But it's interesting that Jesus ate at Bethany. The word Bethany means house of the poor, house of affliction. Jesus chose to go to a place where uh, not everyone would want to go. He did not go to the, 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 the most wealthy part of Jerusalem. He, he came to a place where they wanted him. He came to a place where they needed him. In fact, this story is so significant that it's recorded in three out of the four Gospels, in Mark 14 and Matthew 26, and now in John 12. There's the story of, of Martha uh, serving and, and, and Mary pouring out this ointment. But it has a, it has a significant uh, part to, to show us a relationship that they had with him. And it was a relationship based on grace. But I want you to see the, the word supper here. It was not just a casual meal. It was actually a significant meal. It's from the root word dapto, which, which is a, a, an expensive. I mean, it was, they put a lot into this meal. I mean, Simon would have really, he would have really been a, 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 a very generous person to put on a, not an average meal, but a large banquet. And they sat around the table, but the word, when, when it says they sat around the table, it, it, it actually means they were reclining while dining. It's a compound word, uh, sina or sena, which is together where we get the word synergy. 
And then it's the other word, uh, which is, which is the word that means you are laying in someone else's lap. Now talk about a personal bubble. Okay. Uh, they, we don't do that anymore. There's still some cultures that do it. Uh, tonight at home fellowships, please protect one another's uh, personal space. Okay. Uh, you know, they were reaching over and slopping and dipping and, and I mean, it was just an immersive experience. And that's just that, that's what their culture was. And so they were not sitting around. Uh, a small amount of food, Norm, a normal meal for them, a normal lunch or a supper would have looked like this. Uh, maybe some hummus or some uh, falafel or some olives. Am I making you hungry? Okay. Uh, and and but it was a large meal. In fact, it was a meal much like this. That's uh, very very current. Uh, set on the ground, many different dishes. Uh, this would have been a multi-course meal that was provided for Jesus. And so here they are. They're they're dining. And by the way. Um, you can take that off the, the screen because I know we're all just staring at it. Like, what is that? But tonight we gather for fellowship and we connect. We connect as a church family. And I want to tell you something that, that that's, that's on purpose. We're not just, it's, we're not just going to each other's houses, 10 or 11 houses where we're going to gather. And if you don't have a place, we'll, after this, we'll give you a place to go. But we're, we're connecting on purpose. By the way, Jesus intentionally connected. And, and we're connecting to pray together, to break bread together, to have community with one another. Um, and next week, you know what we're doing? We're also having another meal. We're sitting around a table, but it's for the purpose of worship. And, and we, we just want you to know that this table is made possible by Jesus, but we also want you to know that you are welcome to the table of grace. Uh, you are welcome to this table and, and you are welcome to, to, to our church family. In fact, after this service, we're going to have a, a, a lunch. Uh, as you can tell at New Life, we like to eat uh, and, and we like to have, have, have moments like this. But, but we're going to have a lunch. It's called Starting Point Lunch. And it's specifically how we connect people to the body of Christ, how we connect people to the family of God to, to know how to connect. By the way, you're like, how do I know if I'm in the family of God? Well, Jesus came to his own, John 1 said, and his own received him not. But it says, but as many as received him, to them gave you the power to become the sons of God. We are the family of God. In fact, uh, the church at Rome, they were struggling with this. Like, how do we know we're family? How do we know we're a part of the church family? And he says uh, in Romans 8, 16, he said, the spirit beareth witness with your spirit that you know you're the children of God. Let me tell you, how do I know that I'm the child of God? I know I'm the child of God because the spirit of God is inside me. Can I tell you something? That if you don't know today that you are a child of God, God wants you to sit at his table. God wants relationship with you. God wants to welcome you into his family. It's, it's one moment. It's not a prayer, but it's a moment of turning from yourself to him. That moment of salvation is the moment where you can uh, sit at his table. And so there are three, there are three parts to a family, a church family family, a community focused on Christ. I want to give you these three. And I want to illustrate it by bringing up a chair each time we do that, okay? So, so I want to kind of set the table this morning from this passage of Scripture, because I think this will help us to understand what it means uh, to, to have a picture, to have an idea of the family of God, okay? Number one, this family of God, it's a table of grace. It is a table of grace. It's not a table of works. Religion says works are the root, and grace is the fruit. But Jesus said, grace is the root. He gives you the grace and works 
are the fruit. Like works come out of grace. They don't produce grace. Like we don't, we don't work for or earn for uh, God's love or, or God's grace. No, he gives it freely. And so I want you to bring up that chair, uh, the, 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 the chair of grace, because this is a table of grace. How many of you are thankful for the grace of God? Okay. It is undeserved. It is unbelievable. Thank you so much. And we'll put that right next to, right next to this. And so Jesus gives us grace. And uh, I want you to see in verse number one that uh, Jesus is there with Lazarus. Uh, here's Lazarus sitting there with a t-shirt saying, I'm back, baby. Uh, I mean, he was just excited, you know, uh, new lease on life. He was dead last week. Now he's alive. I mean, he's excited. Everyone was excited with him. Uh, I, I don't know about you, but if I was a leper and I was missing limbs and Jesus healed me and my limbs grew back, I'd be excited about that too. Here you have Simon the leopard, uh, the leper. I mean, he's, he's in the house. Uh, Mary and Martha, they're excited. They're, they, they receive grace. Uh, next week, we'll see how Mary uh, was invited to the table in Luke 10. Uh, that would have been very, very rare. Uh, and so she had received grace from Jesus in a cultural context that would not give her grace. Uh, Martha received grace. I mean, there she is serving this time. It doesn't say she was comforted about. I mean, this, this is, this is a table of grace. By the way, I could look around this room and just tell you that every person, including myself, is recipient of God's grace. I mean, there is nothing that we have to boast of. There is nothing that we can sit here and say, oh, look at us. No, man, this, you know what makes this church family special is it is a family of grace. Like we've all been given grace and we're all grateful for it. And so here you have in verse one, he is, he is just, just, you can just feel the grace. Everyone is around this table of grace. Now, everyone is welcome here at New Life and in, in, in the church family. Everyone is welcome to this table of grace. But this grace that Jesus gives, I think a lot of people skip over to the fact that, that the table of grace, it transforms. Grace is not given just so that you can feel good about it. Grace is given because it changes you from the inside out. So what is grace? Well, first, it's undeserved, right? It's undeserved favor. Uh, grace, I think we have a chart. Uh, grace is, is, is undeserved favor toward those who uh, are broken beyond repair. Uh, grace is, is that saving grace. It's the grace that he gives you when you're in your sin uh, to receive salvation and forgiveness. What a wonderful thing that is. It's undeserved. But sustaining grace is the divine enablement to, that's given to those after salvation. It's that divine enablement that allows us to live based on God's resources and God's power, not our own. Because here's what happens is when I make a mistake or when you make a mistake and we try to fix it, have you ever made a mistake and you tried to fix it and you made it worse? Whoa, I feel like I'm the king of that, okay? I say something and then I say something else to try to fix what I just said and I what I just said made it worse, right? I mean, you just can't reel the words in fast enough, so you're spitting out other words trying to piece up that. I don't know if you've ever tried to touch up something in your house because of something that you messed up and I'm telling you messed it up worse. I mean, we could go on and on. But oftentimes when we get scared, filled with guilt, and when we get focused on what we can do, we often make matters way, way worse. Now, there was a lady who was having a really bad day and she didn't notice how close a car was parked to her. And 
I don't think there's sound for this video, guys, but if you want to just play the video, she was pulling out of her parking stall in a parking garage and she hit the car next to her. She felt bad. She was going to, I'm guessing, get out and, and kind of write a note or something. And so she stepped out. But the only problem was she wasn't really thinking. She forgot to put the parking brake on. And as she uh, stepped out of the car, she noticed it was moving. She got back in the car. She's fine, but her car is not fine. How many of you know it went from one dent on one side to a missing door on the other? They went from bad to worse. I want to tell you that God's grace takes us where we are, but it doesn't leave us where we are. How many of you are glad it doesn't leave us where we are? God's grace changes you. It, it takes you in the moment of your despair and your guilt and your shame, and it transforms you out of that. And by the way, if you are called uh, to a life of grace, you are called not to continue in sin, but out of sin. A, a moment of grace is a moment of change. It's a moment of transformation. And, 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 and there is no greater passage uh, it, than, uh, than in uh, 1 Corinthians. I want you to read this in your notes. 1 Corinthians will be on the screen. I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians uh, 14, uh, 4.14. Look at what this says. Knowing that he that raised the Lord Jesus shall raise us also by Jesus. Verse 15, for all things are for our sakes, for your sakes, that the abundant grace, everyone say abundant grace. It's not a little grace, it's abundant grace, might through the thanksgiving of many abound. That's, that's more than abound. It's like abundantly abounding. Adown to the glory of God, for which cause we faint not. Though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed. How often? Day by day. The inward man is renewed by that abundant grace day by day. Now, I don't know how uh, discouraged you are this morning. I don't know what you've been through, but I can tell you something that is not beyond the reach of God's abundant grace, that day by day, he wants to renew you. Day by day, he wants to strengthen you. And so I would encourage you to allow God's abundant grace to transform and renew and strengthen you and everything you do. Because the table of grace isn't just for salvation. The table of grace is to empower you for everything you do. So Jesus is sitting at the table and he wants you to have a relationship with him. He wants you at his table and it's through grace. But the one thing we all have in common is not just grace. It's the fact that if we have received that grace, if you are a recipient of that grace, then there's another chair we need to set at the table and it's the chair of gratitude because this is a table of gratitude. Eddie, you want to help me with this one? Uh, a table of gratitude. You could just hand it to me here. Uh, this table, if it's a table of grace that's built uh, on what Jesus has done, this is a table of gratitude. And certainly we see this in the passage. You, you see Martha in verse two, she's serving. And uh, we, we see Martha throughout the gospels in Luke 10 uh, serving but, but the word serving here, this is an interesting word. It, it, it means to minister, but it means to minister and care and support the needs of another. It's to be outward focused. It's to place someone else's needs before your own. That's what Mar Mar Martha is doing. But Mary shows her gratitude in a different way that we'll get to in a second. But all of it was gratitude. They, they were so thankful 
Simon was thankful. I believe it's Matthew 10. I put it in your notes where, where he, he had received that healing. How many of you know he was thankful for the healing? Leprosy kills you. Um, there were 10 lepers in Luke 17, I put in your notes, who had been healed and only one came back and said, thank you. But, but thanksgiving and gratitude is always an action. It's something that you want to give. Now, how many of you have ever met someone and they wanted to be grateful, but they just, they were having a tough time with it. Okay. Let me explain it to you this way. There's a dog who was given some fruit and he didn't like it that much, but he wanted his owner to continue to give him food. So he was stuck in this moment of how do I express my gratitude? Watch this. (laughs) He's not a fan of mango. (laughs) He's sitting there contemplating what to do, doesn't want to eat it, doesn't want to spit it out, just, just kind of hanging out there. <laughs> so his owner asked him about it. <laughs> They're at a standstill. He's like, you don't like mango? What are you, you going to do? How, how many of you know sometimes God does something and you want to be thankful and you're just like, but that just doesn't seem good. God, I want to be thankful for this trial, but I'm, if I'm honest, I'm just not. I don't see the point in this pain. I don't see the point of this relationship that you've put in my life. I just don't. I'm not grateful, but I want to be. Let me just tell you something. We don't, we don't have gratitude because we're in a happy place. We don't produce gratitude because everything is going right. We produce gratitude out of God's grace. He enables gratitude and that brings our joy. In fact, let me put it this way. That joy is not the product uh, of, joy does not produce gratitude. Joy is the product of gratitude. And when we express gratitude, we experience joy. Let's say that together. When we express gratitude, we experience joy. Gratitude is something that God has created you to do as an outflow of his grace that brings great peace, great joy, great contentment in the Christian life. If you are not grateful, you will be depressed. If you are not grateful, you will be extremely distraught and uncontent in your Christian life. So here we have a table. It's a table of grace. It's a table of gratitude. And by the way, let me, let me just encourage you to express gratitude, um, to, to express this gratitude and, and, and to experience the joy that God has given because uh, this gratitude that God has given uh, is an incredible uh, moment that we have to be able to, to show the grace of God working and moving through us. But there's a third chair, and I want to I show you this, and, and it is the chair of generosity. And Mary in verse 3, Mary in verse 3, she starts to just kind of pour out something that she had saved and, and she wanted it to be for Jesus. She wanted it to be for Jesus. So number three, I want you to see that it's a table of generosity. And by the way, whenever there is grace, there is gratitude. And whenever there is gratitude, there is generosity. You'll never have a moment where you are so grateful and so in love with Jesus that you don't want to give to him. A lot of people say, man, the church is all about money and there's, there's just, no, the church is all about growing you in your relationship with Jesus. And the greatest thing you could ever do to grow in your relationship with Jesus is have a moment of faith, have a moment of generosity. Look at verse number three. This is a spectacular expression of generosity here. 
Mary took a pound of ointment. This was about 12 ounces, fluid ounces. Very costly, it says. And anointed the feet of Jesus. We know from other passages that she also anointed his head. She wiped his feet with her hair. Before you think this is weird, this was very common in the cultural context to, to anoint a head, to, to wipe the feet. It just was not common to use an expensive ointment. I mean, this was imported from India. Um, spark, spikenard was extremely rare. It was, it was like myrrh. It was, it was just, it smelled amazing, extremely expensive. We know from the, the bad attitude that Judas had, we know that this was a year's worth of wages, 300 pieces of silver. Now, just a sidebar, maybe you've never noticed this, but right after this, if you're reading in John chapter 12, right after he says, hey, we could have gotten 300. We could have gotten 300 pieces of silver. And we know that he was stealing. And the Bible alludes to the fact that he was stealing about 10% of the bag. We can piece that together that he was taking what was meant to be God's. And by the way, that's what happens when we don't tithe. We take a portion that was meant to be his. And so what did he do? He went and grabbed what was meant to be God's in the first place. He went and grabbed 30 pieces of silver by denying God. So it's interesting how greed uh, captures our hearts. But notice the generosity, man. Nothing reveals the heart like generosity. Look at what she does. In verse three, she gives personally. This was something personal. She owned this. This was a family heirloom. This was once it was broken, it was used. And she breaks this. Uh, in fact, in, in chapter, 14, or chapter uh, 14 of Mark, uh, she breaks the box. Verse three, I put it in your notes. She had to break the box in order to pour it out. By the way, God can only use broken vessels. He can't use people who think they aren't broken, who aren't humble, who aren't ready to be poured out. God will pour through you and use you when you are broken and ready to be used. And so we, we see her pouring out. She would have, uh, she would have held in her hands. She would have held the, the, the ointment in her hand. She would have poured it on his feet. She would have poured it on his head. Uh, she was pouring out something that was extremely costly. There's something she was probably saving for a burial, probably something that she was going to pass on to maybe her children someday or, 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 or to someone else. But she just, she couldn't hold it in any longer. She just wanted to pour it out onto Jesus. And by the way, when you feel such gratitude and such love for him, you just have to show it. Now, now why does God command something that just comes naturally to those that are in love with him? It's because he loves us and he wants to do a work in us. And it's the reason why I will never have a season at New Life where we, even if we don't, aren't building a building or anything, I'll never have a season where I'm not presenting an opportunity for you to be generous. Why? Because it is the greatest thing that grows your faith. God commands generosity, not for what he receives from you, but for what he does in you. Generosity can do something in you that you can't do in and of yourself. It changes you. It makes something alive. In fact, I had someone tell me this right after the service that he said, I haven't been giving, I haven't been tithing, but he said, I started giving and something came alive in me. He said, you're exactly right that there's something that happens inside you. There's a joy, there is a peace that comes when you stop holding on. In fact, Jesus said, the tighter you hold on, the, the more you try to save, the, the less you lose. 
But, but the more you give, the more you sow. In fact, Proverbs 11, I believe it's 11.24, uh, says it this way, that, that the more you scatter, the more you give, the more you sow, the more you have. And the more you hold, the more you hoard, the less you have. It's, it's the reality. It's the, it, it's the uh, kingdom way, the fact that you, you give. And so, and so there's this command to be generous. And the command is for your own good. And Mary was, was doing this not because of a command. She was doing this because she loved him. She was doing this because she just, she wanted to. I will tell you something that when the Roma filled the house, it changed the mood. How many of you know a smell? You walk into a, into a really nice hotel and the smell is just like, wow, this is this place. This has, you know, as, 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 as my, my boys would say, this has a vibe. You know, this, 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 is, this is good. This is cool. Smells good. In fact, um, the, the, it's interesting that, that the strongest sense is the sense of smell. This is why COVID was so horrible. I mean, it took away your sense of smell. I mean, a, you know, I, I, did, I didn't experience that, but for, for some of you that did, it was like, what in the world? You can't smell anything. It's like life's now in black and white. But three-fourths of smell is connected to our emotions. And, and, and here you have an emotional response based on the aroma that filled the house. Now, uh, we were on vacation uh, about a year ago, and and I have, at the time, I had uh, around five or six nieces that were under six. I mean, lots of little, uh, I have some nephews, but, but the nieces were all playing and running around. And I had walked out of the hotel room for a few minutes and I walked back in and I smelled what really smelled like my cologne everywhere. And I'm like, what is going on? I mean, you know, I didn't think I put that much on. I mean, you ever met someone who took, takes a bath in their cologne? You know, it's like, I don't think I did that, you know. And they had gotten my new cologne, 3.2 ounces, but I, who's counting, right? And, and, and they had gotten my brand new bottle of cologne and they had practically emptied that bottle on all their dolls and on themselves and on our couch and everywhere. They had emptied that thing. And at first I was a little bit annoyed. I'm like, what in the world? And then, I, you know, you just kind of look at them. There's cute little girls. They didn't, you know, they're just messing around. They had no idea. But it filled the house. It filled the room and you just, you're just like, well, it's going to smell good for a while, you know? And, and actually it was so strong. And we were like, oh, oh man, that was, that was kind of hit you, you know? And, but I will tell you, when she poured out, something changed. I will tell you that when you start to pour out, something always changed. You were never meant to be a container of God's grace. You were always meant to be a conduit of God's grace. God wants to flow through you. He did not bless you. Listen, I'm just coming back from a third world country and I am so blessed. You are so blessed. We are in this bubble called the United States. And I will tell you, there's a lot of joy outside of our, our literal bubble that has all of this, uh, all of this wealth. You are wealthy. You might say, pastor, you have no idea. I'm like overdrafting. You are still wealthy. You are still wealthy with what you own. Not just your money, but your possessions and the fact that you are living and, and in such an opulent society. And so God tells us he is pleased when we are allowing his blessings to flow through us. So let me just, let me just end with a couple of verses this morning. And these verses are so encouraging because they tell us what pleases God. How many of you want to please God this morning? Man, I certainly do. By the way, you were created, whether you know it or not, 
You were created for his good pleasure. You were created to please him. Revelation 4.11 says that we are, are and were created for his good pleasure. You will, for all of eternity, want to please your creator. So let me tell you what pleases him. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 14, it says that we have no continuing city. How many of you are thankful we're not home yet, right? <laughs> this, is, this world is not our home. It says, but we seek one to come. So we're looking for eternity. We're going to talk a little bit about that next week. Like, like we're looking for something greater, something that lasts forever. By him, Jesus, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise continually. Well, how do we do this? First, uh, verse 16, he says, to do good and communicate. That word communicate means to contribute, to give, to pour out. Forget not, for such sacrifices, God is well pleased. So not just what we say with what we do, what we give, how we serve, the time we give. Mary was so grateful. She had such love and gratitude that she had to give. She, she had to pour out. She, she had to be generous. She, she, was, she was pouring out. And by the way, there were many people in the New Testament that just had to pour out. They, they had to give. In fact, uh, the, the church at Thessalonica and Epaphroditus, they were that way. In fact, Philippians 4 tells us, Philippians 4, it's in your notes. We'll put it on the screen, verse 16, that they sent once and again to Paul's necessity. They were sending to the work of God. And Paul said, not because I desire a gift. I desire fruit to your account. Meaning every time you give, there's, there's this reward that comes. There's this, there's this benefit in the kingdom. It says, for I have all and abound, having uh, received uh, from Epaphroditus. He said, man, I'm full. I, I, you sent this. And, and what, did it, what did it feel like? What was it like to the people uh, gathered there uh, in in, in uh in uh, Thessalonica that they received from Philippi. How, what, what did they feel? What did, what, did it, what did it seem like? Well, it seemed like what was happening in the house at Simeon's house. It seemed like an odor. Look at it. Verse 18, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to who? To God. This sacrifice was well-pleasing to God. My God shall supply your need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Listen, God supplies the need of those who are willing to please him. Those who are willing just to be generous. And by the way, generosity does not just work for, the, for those who have an overabundance. Generosity is a lot like romance and fellowship. It works on any budget. When I was dating Danielle, wow, you should have seen my bank account, okay? I, I, I did not impress her with my riches. I will tell you, we did not get together because of my wealth. We, we spend time together and there were some times where, where I was like, man, I don't know how I'm going to make this work, but we're going to make it work because I love her and I want it to happen. And I will tell you that our generosity is just an outflow of our love. By the way, let me just remind you of something that, that worship, that worship is, is, is this action. Worship's always an action. It's, it's flowing out. So we should worship God through the sacrifice of giving because love always gives. Love's an action. Love is a verb. Love is something you do. Love is something you express. It's not a feeling. Love is something we express. And so I, I think it's important for us to step back and say, okay, God is calling me to generosity out of a heart of gratitude. And he is calling me for a purpose, for a reason, not for myself. Now, the reason why we are taking an offering next week is because this table of grace, we do not want it to be us for and no more. We desperately want this table of grace 
for someone else. And I want to, I want, I want to, I want to bring up the, uh, the last chair. Thank you, Eddie. We are taking this offering for our future family. We're, we're, we're taking this offering because we don't want to put a lid on who can sit at the table of grace. Some of you who are parents, you know this, we're maxed out in our kid space. Uh, God has brought us here and listen, we could just say, you know what? We'll fill up this building. We'll add a service if we, if we, if we need to, but we're not moving. We're staying here. We're just going to pay the lease. And, and I just don't feel like God wants us to do that. In fact, I feel like God's, I know God's given us that property because he wants us to, to, to not build something opulent, but to build something functional, to make room for those who are coming in the future, those who need a place, those who need a spot at the table of grace. And, and so we want everyone, all who would come to say, hey, there's room for you. There's a seat at the table. There was a man who uh, was on a farm. He had a dog and, and there was, uh, there was a, a road that ended where his farm was and there would be people who could no longer care for their pets. And so they would go down to the end of this road uh, in Texas and they would drop off their dogs and their pets at the end of the road, just hoping that this farmer would take care of them. One dog turned into two and two turned into four and four turned into eight. And finally he had over 12 different dogs on this farm that he was trying to feed and and one of the things he tried to do is try, he, he tried to get him to, to, to go on a walk. And finally, when he got past 10, I mean, how do you take 10 dogs on a walk? And he wanted to make room for them and he wanted to, to, to kind of provide an experience for them. And he was retired. And, and so he looked around his farm, see, saw what he had. And he thought, okay, I'll use what I have and I'll just, I'll just make something. And this is what he made for his dogs. He made a little train that was connected to his mower and those are little dollies and he placed buckets 55 gallon drum buckets on these dollies and instead of taking them on a walk he took them on a ride he took what he had and he made space for someone who had nowhere to go now, i want to tell you something there are people who will have nowhere to go. They will, they will be feeling trapped in their sin and they need us to make space for them. And I just want this table to be a picture of the fact that we're making space at our table. We, we wanna make space at our table and we wanna say, God, whatever you wanna do through us, man, we are recipients of your grace. We, we, we love you and, and, and we want to, to give in order to make space at our table. So here's the takeaway. Our generosity, really, it indicates. Uh, it, it, it indicates and reveals the extent of our gratitude for the grace that Jesus has given to us. If we give next week, whatever we give, and by the way, if you're new to this, listen, th this is not something we do by guilt or by force. This is something that's a total free will, will offering. This is just whatever God, whatever God has given you, uh, we, we give. And, and we, we give this because we have gratitude in our heart for what God has given to us. He's given us his grace. And so today we worship God in singing. Many of you worshiped God through serving. We're gonna connect with one another at houses tonight uh, through fellowship and community. Man, this is, this is awesome. The body is, is functioning the way that Jesus intended it. But I will tell you, 
that our faith will only grow as we are willing to step out by faith and be generous to what he has given to us. Lord, I pray that you'd help every person here. I pray that those that do not know you as their Lord and Savior would receive you now. I pray for those who are on the fence, God, they're, they're wanting to step out by faith, but it's scary. They don't know what's on the other side of that. I pray that they would realize from scripture that every moment of obedience and faith uh, brings an equal moment of blessing and joy. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And we, we end every service with a, a time of just reflection and, and a time of, of prayer. And before I pray, I'd, I'd like to know how I can pray. And one of the things I always like to ask is, is if anyone would like to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And that, that, that's not a prayer. That's not, that's not something that is just uh, a ritual. It is something where you begin a relationship with your creator, and it's through Jesus. And Jesus said, if you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. And with a heart, man believes unto righteousness. I believe when you place your faith and in, in heart and trust in him, you become a child of God. You're welcomed into his family, not based on your merit, but based on his grace. And so if you'd like to receive him as your savior, if you're online or you're listening on the radio 90.5 or you're, um, uh, you're in this room, I would like to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus. And today, uh, whatever you're trusting, you're gonna put that aside. You're gonna turn from your sin and you're gonna turn to him. And if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead to save you, this is your moment right here. Don't leave here 90% sure. Leave here 100% sure that your sins have been forgiven. They've been covered by the blood of Jesus who, who, who was sinless, but he died for your sin. And you want to receive that gift of salvation and eternal life. Just call out to him today. Say, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I know there's nothing I could do to ever merit my salvation. So I receive you now. Come into my life and be my savior. I trust you with all my heart. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, I want to pray for you. Uh, others are praying about what God might lead them to give or do or serve or how they're going to pour out their life for others and for the work of God. But friend, if you made that decision today, I, I absolutely would love to celebrate and pray for you. I won't point you out, but I'd love to know how to pray before I close this service in prayer, would you just put up your hand so I know how to pray? If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, would you, if you're online, would you let us know? You can text, but if you're in this room, would you just raise your hand? Just say, hey, I, I, I prayed that prayer and I meant it. I'm not too proud to admit that I, I prayed that prayer. I received Jesus as my Savior. Anyone would say that? I did that. Thank you so much. Anyone else would join this one who said, I received Jesus as my Savior, but I didn't raise my hand, but I'll raise it now. Anyone else would say, I made that decision today. Thank you so much. Would anyone else join these hands who, who've said, hey, I made this decision today, and I'm thankful that I did. Um, let, let me know so I can pray for you. Anyone else? I'd love to remember you in prayer right now. Let's pray. God, I pray for these who have raised their hands. I pray that you would please help us, Lord, as we walk in newness of life, God, to live a life based on grace, to live a life that's following you in everything we do. God, I pray that you'd please help us as Christians to follow you in this area of generosity. Lord, no one was more generous than you. 
Uh, God, no one gave more than you. Lord, you gave everything. You gave your life. Now I pray that you'd help us um, to, to live a life of faith uh, by uh, being grateful for all that you've done for us, uh, by pouring ourselves out uh, on the altar of our obedience. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.